Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 26, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 123, starting with the last paragraph, now and then the family will be reading through three paragraphs, ending with avert death and misery for them. Comments will be on all. Today's readers are Felicia D., Carmela G., Jen A. The share ID for Tuesday, September 25th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,954. Okay. For the, somebody's unmuted. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 11,956. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. calling in from near New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you. I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Laura A. Recover Compulsive Overeater in New Hampshire. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group contents. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service, I pass. Thank you, Laura A. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 123, the fourth and last paragraph, now and then the family will be, reading through three paragraphs ending with avert death and misery for them. Comments will be in all. I will now ask Felicia D. to begin reading. 
Hi, this is Felicia D, gratefully recovered in Maine. And now and then, the family will be plagued by specters from the past. For the drinking career of almost every alcoholic has been marked by escapades, funny, humiliating, shameful, or tragic. The first impulse will be to bury these skeletons in a dark closet and padlock the door. The family may be possessed by the idea that future happiness can be based only upon forgetfulness of the past. We think that such a view is self-centered and in direct conflict with the new way of living. Henry Ford once made a wise remark to the effect that experience is a thing of supreme value in life. That is true only if one is willing to turn the past to good account. We grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. The alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset of the family, and frequently it is almost the only one. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem. We think each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not. And when the occasion requires, each member of it should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. Showing others who suffer how we are given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought and the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. I am just so grateful for um, this book. This book and following the instructions in it in it and working with others has changed my life and I'm so grateful too for the uh, fact-facing and fact-finding process of coming to grips with the truth of how my behavior you know as a compulsive overeater and food addict affected my family Um, and I love this you know, it was so easy for me to always place blame on others for my misery when, you know, not looking at all at my own behavior and how, um, um, you know, how it adversely affected my family. But since coming to program, working steps and being committed to an abstinent way of life, there's been, you know, slow and steady change in my behavior and my outlook upon life. Um, and I owe that all to the grace and power of God at work. Um, and I love this line, um, cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. Uh, the key to life and happiness for others. Um, and, you know, I don't know any other place that, that 
this happens. I mean, I've found it in the 12-step program and following it. It's really miraculous how the past can be um, turned and um, really, you know, um, just learning from the past. And this that's what this process um, has helped me with, learning the past, um, gaining wisdom from it, and then asking God how to be better, how to be better, how to live my life, um, you know, serving my family. Whereas before, I mean, I was always like avoiding avoiding my kids, neglecting my kids when I was in my disease, um, neglecting my husband, not really caring, just so selfish and self-centered, and I didn't see it. Um, but now I do. And thank God, you know, in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession because, um, you know, by his grace, I've seen the light and through steps, you know, can work to make amends and be better from here on in one day at a time. And I'm just so grateful for all the people in this program that I've learned from, you know, listened and learned and uh, just filled with a lot of gratitude. And so with that, I pass. And thank you for allowing me to be of service. Thank you, Felicia D. So we are on page 123, starting with the last paragraph, reading through three paragraphs, ending with avert death and misery for them. Who would like to share in these paragraphs? Carmela Lisa B. Kim G. Carmela, Lisa B., Kim G. Leia S. Leia S. Vasa O. Vasa O. Kelly S. Kelly S. All right. I will stop there. So we have Carmela G, Lisa B, Kim G, Leia S, Vasa O, Kelly S. Go ahead, Carmela G. Good morning, everyone. This is Carmela G from New York. Uh, Initially, when I read this a while ago, uh, I thought, well, how does this really apply but now that I'm living the program every day and and the program is part of my substance, my being, I can never forget the past. When I talk with my AA fellows, they talk about being a fallen down drunk and how embarrassing it was. And I had an addiction to a substance that was socially acceptable. I could go and eat anywhere, but the way I ate, When I left, I could have a $100 silk blouse. I had stains on it because I couldn't get the food in fast enough. I wanted to just numb out so fast, so I had to keep shoving it in and dripping on myself. And that was an embarrassment, and I can never forget that. But the bigger part is today, as they say, the addict could be the biggest asset, um... Alcoholics past thus becomes the principal asset of the family, and frequently it is the most, the almost the only one. 
um, how could this person have been an asset to a family when they were so vacant, they were so into substance, they were so gone beyond, but today I am so present. And when I join people for a meal, it's for the love and for the companionship and the company of their presence that brings the joy, not the food. And that is a gift that I can never forget that I have been given, and I am grateful for it every single day. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Carmela G. Next, we have Lisa B., followed by Kim G. and Leah S. Good morning. Thank you, Julie, for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I am so grateful for this reading this morning. Um, I love where it says showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile for us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession I have. And what came to my mind is this field that was just dead and not fruitful. It was not producing any fruit. It was just this dead, gross, disgusting field that I was just slopping around in. Now this field is producing such a fruitful, rich life because in God's hands, this dark past it is useful and helpful to others. You know, this big book tells me, I think in this very chapter, we're going to be coming up to it, that we have recovered. We have been given the power to help others. So I'm aligned with this power today. And now I can try as best I can with God's help and the steps to try and carry this message. And, you know, I was thinking yesterday in the reading how my brother was such a source of pain and anguish for my family. He was a drug addict, but he brought me to my very first AA meeting. You know, he set me on the path, put me in the environment where I could begin to hear the the truth, the message of depth and weight, which eventually led me to OA and a vision for you. And so now I'm active in both programs and I am recovered and I have been given the power to help others. And I, it says in God's hands, you know, it's only in God's hands that this dark, dark past is fruitful. It's not in my hands. It's really through going through the process of transformation that is promised me in this big book when I practice all three areas of unity and um, service and recovery, and recovery is found in these pages of this big book, that I can have a whole life. I am whole today. And I love the word key. You know, I have been looking for the key to happiness and the key to life. How do you do this thing called life? And when I look up that word key, when it's used as an adjective, it means crucial, central, essential, vital, critical, dominant. And today I have this this vital thing in life and happiness, and it is through trying to carry the message, placing myself in position to be used by my higher power every day. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Next, we have Kim G., followed by Leah S., Fata O., and Kelly. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Julie. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. And I just love that last line. With it, with, with our experience, we can avert death and misery for them, for the still suffering. You know, there's a uh, saying that I heard years ago, which I believe resonated with my truth, was that in AA, they take the disease seriously and themselves lightly. But in no way, we take, our, we take the disease lightly and ourselves seriously. You know, and, um, 
a meeting that I absolutely love in AA in my area, um, they end with page 92. They really slam home the seriousness. So at the end of the meeting, it says, continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness of fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. And then this guy slams the book. Because they're in the middle of a rehab area for a bunch of heroin addicts, and they understand the urgency. Do we understand that? You know, I think I remember, I always think of this instance of someone I work with who came from AA at four years, went to her first OA meeting. The woman leading the meeting was morbidly obese, said she had two weeks of abstinence, and at the end of the meeting approached her and said, honey, this is OA. Sometimes the best we can do is get two weeks. What kind of message is that? You know, once again, my personal experience is that for many years in a way, I didn't understand the disease. I didn't get what I suffered from. So therefore, there was no urgency to do the steps. See, I for years that food and weight is my problem. And if food and weight is my problem, the diets will work for that. You know, Rosie, our founder, talks about in her book, Beyond Her Wildest Dreams, about how the first couple of years, that's what they were doing. They were dieting with group support. And when she went to an AA meeting... And she heard the doctor's opinion, and she heard that line, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. She realized that's what they were missing in a way. We have to define abstinence. We have to abstain from our binge foods in order to get this recovery. And unfortunately, for many years, I settled. I settled for comfortable misery. I settled for temporary respites. I beg of you on the line, those of you who are brand new to OA or maybe have been in OA for decades experiencing that same thing, do not settle. Freedom, freedom is on the other side of step 12. It's not on the other side of step 3 or 4 or 9. It's on the other side of step 12 after we've put down the food at step 1. And I'm going to end with this. Let me assure you, at this moment, I know to the core of my being that I am a compulsive overeater. But let me also assure you, today I do not suffer from compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Next we have Leah S. followed by Vata O. and Kelly S. Thank you so much, Julie. My name is Leah S. Recovered and grateful in Brooklyn. Um, Oh, wow. So much. This is, okay, we are into the family afterward. And we have reached this um, chapter, assuming that we have, we are living in the recovery. How do we live in the recovery? These are all suggestions of what we should do, because I believe that I will face again certain challenges that used to be very difficult for me, and that used to lead me into the food. And so we grow, we grow by my willingness to face the, 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 those challenges that have been in the past. And then how am I going to deal with that now? On page 83, we get the promises. We will not regret the past nor shut the door. Why? Because from those things that have been my past, I will learn to deal with them, and most assuredly, I will come across a certain situation that has been 
at one point in my life, and I have not been able to deal with that. And I have been, I have been in the food, and now I am no longer in the food. So yes, twelve-stepping, and 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 sharing everything of the way how I got out of it, and um, kindness, love, and tolerance is my mode and my code today as much as possible and authenticity is always there it's okay not to know and it is okay to admit to that and with that i will pass thank you for letting me share thank you leah s vata o followed by kelly s yes thank you julie for your service and good morning everyone I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive Veda, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Yeah, I, you know, it's amazing how much I've learned coming in the program. I learned I grew up with an alcoholic father and compulsive Veda mother. There was a lot of pain and suffering inflicted in the family, and it was, uh, and I heard it was a family disease. And I thought somehow my father or my mother should have the willpower to stop doing what they were doing. They were killing themselves. And I learned we are powerless because I became compulsive overeater myself and I tried to do everything I could with my own power to stop eating over the years. I couldn't do it by myself. I needed to find a power greater than myself and a and grateful, grateful, I was led into Overeaters Anonymous and to have a fellowship and the 12 steps and the meetings and the literature, this big book, it's amazing. It's My sponsor would just say, follow the direction. It's right here, Vasa. And that's what I have been doing over the years. Uh, food was just so accepted. You know, it's so accepted in our society. And... Um, I, I knew I had a problem, just didn't know what to do about it. Well, that's where I learned I needed to surrender, as I said, to a power grade, the, to admit I was, step one, I, to admit I, I was powerless over the food. And my life, my life became unmanageable. I was ready and I was willing. And to live um, uh, as, uh, in recovery is to put the food down which was very, very hard for me to do. One of the hardest of... Oh, this is unmuted. And that was one of the hardest things for me to put the food down, but it's by the grace of God I was being able to do it. And then uh, work the steps and trust and rely on God and help others. That's the key. Um, I've been in this program for many years. I've told my kids what I've been doing from the beginning. You know, this is what it is. I probably passed some of those behaviors on you. And I said, you know, you're welcome to do. I gave them a few things to look at. And they said, no, we're not those people. You know, you're going to programs. You're crazy, whatever. Well, my daughter's going through it right now. So it's so sad. She could have been had this for years, but she wasn't willing. She didn't want it. It was, wasn't for her. But, uh, again, Pray, I'm praying, and uh, patience and tolerance and love. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bartha O. Kelly S., you're next. Oh, 
Thanks, Julie. This is Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, wow, I, I just can't get over how powerful this paragraph is. You know, it's been a while since we've read these, or at least I've since I've read this uh, chapter. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hand, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others with it, you can avert death and misery for them. I just had to read that again because I just couldn't believe the power in those those sentences and, and how that's happening for me in my life and how I spent so many years in the poor me, you know, all this stuff is happening. Of course, that understanding I was uh, manufacturing my own misery as the big book has shown me and I finally accepted. But, you know, um, all these things that I did in my life, you know, I, when I first started listening to this pro, or to this meeting six years ago, you know, what really made a difference for me, you guys, what really, really made a difference was listening to you share your dark misery, your dark past, and how you had recovered, as somebody else shared previously. I needed to hear that, you know, because I was just sure nobody had done the things I had done with food or with just behaviors, you know, stealing, cheating, um, the stuff with, um, you know, relationships and sex and, and all the crazy stuff that I just had just, you know, uh, decided that I was too bad or too hopeless, you know, not, not understanding I was seemingly hopeless, but I was just sure all this stuff I had done. And I needed to hear you guys share those things and, and that, that with this program, not only I would put this food down once and for all, I would do so happily and I would learn how to do life differently. And today I get to share that with other people. I never thought, you know, I never thought that I would get this recovery. I'd been around for 30 something years. I never thought I'd get all these promises, all these promises in this program, not just the, the ninth step promises, but, you know, the neutrality with food, you know, live, learning to live life different being able to be an example to show people it doesn't matter what we've done with food with our behaviors with our defects what we the harm we've caused others any of those things can all be healed through this program and through my higher power and today when I share that with us, I get to be an example of hope and recovery with my family and with you guys, you know, so yes, with families who still struggle, I get to show that to, you know, one of my daughters, I feel like suffers from this disease. And, you know, I share with her, honestly, some of the things I've done and I go through and she gets to see me recover one day at a time. And I know she's watching me and that's all that I can do is continue to recover. And then I get to share honestly with you guys some of the things that I had so much shame about. And guess what? Those things now are bringing hope to other people. You know, people call me and I'm going to wrap up with this, Julie. People call me all the time because they hear me share that I've been around 30 years and I finally have this recovered abstinence and this neutrality with food. And they want to know what was different. What was different? Desperation putting down the food with black and white abstinence and working this program like my hair's on fire and connecting with my higher power. With that, I pass. Thanks, Julie. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kelly. So I'm going to take another round of people. We are on page 123, starting with the last paragraph, now and then, reading through three paragraphs, ending with avert death and misery for them. Who would like to share? Katie G. Leon B. Oh, hold on. I've got Leon B, and there was a whole jumble. Katie G. R. Harlan G. G. Harlan G. Melissa A. Nessa R. 
Nessa, there you go. And there was um, somebody before Melissa C. Jen Penny, A. Penny C. And Jen R. Is that what that was? Jen A. Oh, Jen A. Close. And Melissa. Okay, I think that's going to be enough here. Okay, so we have Leon B, Katie G, Harlan G is our first three. Go ahead, Leon. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, I didn't think you heard me. Hello, this is Leon B. Um, I live in Simpsonville, South Carolina, and I'm so grateful for to be on the meeting this morning. I don't know what I'm going to share. I, I just felt so much emotion um, reading through this and then amen to the shares that have already gone before us. Um, you know, my my dark past is in this program. I mean, it, it drove me to where I am today. It drove me back to the rooms. And thank God that this time I was driven and someone – took me through the steps. I had never been, and I don't know, it could have been the, the fact that I was really, really desperate or there's some true power in these steps, and I think it's both. And my dark past, I don't regret it a bit, and I'm so thankful that I went through the pain that I went through. I'm like Harlan G. I do mourn those days that I lost. I do. I'm sorry. I know some people don't, but I look at the 11 years the 11 years I suffered, I just, yes, I do I do mourn those years, but I'm so grateful for these beautiful five months that I've had. It, I mean, it hasn't made up for it, but it's, it's doing a great job. You know, I have so many praise reports that I can give of what OA has done for me. It has not been all gloom and doom. It has not been easy, but OA has, OA and the 12 steps has changed my life working through them. And now I just feel internally like I have to, like it says in here, that we don't we don't shut those things off from the past because it's going to help others. And that's what I want to do. I, I feel like I don't want you to suffer. If you're out there, you don't have to suffer. There is a way out. There is a solution. And my pain, and my pain from my past, if you can learn anything from it, know that there is a way out. And these 12 steps are the way they will be the they will be the steps to freedom and I'm so thankful for what what I'm learning and I've gone through this this part of the big book again but I'm so glad to be doing it with my family I love you all and that's all I have to share thank you Leon B Katie G followed by Harlan G and Nessa R good morning Julie good morning my fellows this is Katie G recovered compulsive overeater anorexic and bulimic in Boston and love the shares this morning and just um yeah like being plagued by specters which i looked up those are ghosts like ghosts of my past and um early on in overeaters anonymous before i'd done the steps i remember saying to a sponsor i had started dating because a man was going to fix me watch out and uh, i remember saying to a sponsor and sobbing how could anyone love me knowing the things I've done, knowing, and I don't just mean with the food, I mean with my behaviors, knowing the nasty, nasty, nastiness. And I saw it before doing the steps 
that the solution really was this self-centered, you know, oh, that, you know, whatever, that's my past, I don't talk about it, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until I did the, fir the my first go-round with the steps in the big book and, and take, took a risk to see intimacy, which literally means into me I see. And then God gave me the gift of feeling comfortable in my own skin, so comfortable that I don't care. I really don't. And I don't mean that in a flashy way. I don't mean that in an offensive way. I don't mean that in like a, oh, look at all these amazing, horrible things I did. Aren't I the sickest one in the room? I just mean it's neutral. There's nothing to hide. That's who I was. And thank you, God, that's not who I am today. That's not who I'm going to be. The things that I'm, I'm falling short with are not things I'm going to be doing, God willing, in the future. That's what, this, that's what this program promises if I'm willing to turn the past into good account. You know, and this, this passage also reminds me, I'm not a teacher. I'm not, I'm not a lecturer. I'm not an, an expert in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. The only thing I have to share with you is my experience and where I have messed up for me, the things that don't work for me as a low-bottom, compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic who would go to any lengths to prove to you that I'm okay just so I could stuff you inside of me and hold you hostage. And today the privilege is like, I'm not suffering from anorexia. I'm not suffering from bulimia. I can talk about, yeah, you know what? I don't, I, I, have, I have medical challenges in my body because of the past. I don't hide that. It's okay. You know why? Because I can share it all with you. And last evening, I'll just close with this. I had the privilege of spending, you know, 45 minutes sharing with another woman just how to go to the grocery store. How to go to the grocery store. She doesn't know how. Thank you, God. 45 minutes that this world was relieved from the bondage of KDG, right? And that is a miracle. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, KDG. Harlan G., followed by Nessa R., and then Penny C. Thank you, Julie, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in still sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. What is the greatest mitzvah we can do? What is the greatest joy that comes in our life? It is by demonstration to show by action what God has done for us. What did Ebby bring Bill? Did Ebby bring Bill some magical source of information? Not really. He brought him the message of the solution through spiritual means, which Bill did not know. But Bill knew that Ebby was a drunk just like him. What did Bill bring Dr. Bob? Bill brought Dr. Bob his experiences as a drunk, as a piss in your pants, puke on your shirt, embarrass yourself drunk. What did Bill and Bob bring Bill Dotson? And on and on and on and on. Kim G. likes to tell a story of a guy who fell in a hole and the psychiatrist comes and the clergyman comes, but then the alcoholic comes and says, oh yeah, I fell in a hole. Let me show you how I got out. You see, all my life, people told me I was too fat. 
I got it. I got it when I was three. I got it when I was four. I got it. I was too fat. I eat too many Oreo cookies. Got it. What nobody told me until I came here was now that we've established that I eat too much, let's find a way not to, and let's find a way not to happily. I can only get that here through the misery and the horrible experiences and the embarrassment of you. Why do I tune in here every morning? It's not even 5 o'clock in the morning here yet. It's 4.38 in the morning. Why do I get up in the morning to dial this phone number? The reason is because I'm going to hear things from people that have fallen in that hole. And I am going to hear things from people who helped others out of that hole. Preach the gospel. But only if you must use words through your demonstration of action on how you work these steps and how you heal and help others to heal, that is where God lives. That's where we fly. And it is in catching lightning in a bottle by helping someone else that we can transcend these problems. And yes, there's going to be rough roads ahead. Yes, there's going to be challenges. But we're going to help each other. We're like redwood trees. Redwood trees are the largest living things in the world, but their roots don't go very deep. And they cling to each other. And through clinging to each other, they become the greatest, most majestic living things on planet Earth. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Nessa R. followed by Penny C. Then Den A. Nessa R. Sorry. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Great. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, before I arrived in OA, I went to countless experts to help me lose the weight, uh, not to put down the food, to lose the weight, you know, doctors, nutritionists, um, you know, exercise people, and they gave me very sensible, valuable advice, which I did not heed, and the one reason I did not heed was because I, I couldn't relate to it. I couldn't identify. You know, these were well-intended people who, and very knowledgeable people, you know, who were telling me, you know, eat, eat moderately, um, exercise, um, do this, do that, you know, push yourself away from the table, fill your plate, you know, half vegetables, a quarter protein and a quarter, you know, um, starch. You know, they were telling me all these things that they themselves had no problem doing, you know, and they couldn't understand and I couldn't understand. I couldn't even verbalize why I had so much trouble with those things. And this is why my past is my greatest asset. Um, you know, it says here in the big book that my, my purpose in life is to fit myself to be of maximum service to others. And in order to do, do that, I have to have two requirements. 
Number one, I have to have the disease. And number two, I have to have recovered from the disease. And the reason I need to have this disease is because it's the one thing that will enable others to identify with me. And, you know, God willing to think if she did it, I would too, because, you know, the, 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 prog- the progress of recovery, the process of recovery is not an easy one and it's not a comfortable one. If it was, you know, there would be so many more recovered people. Um, you know, but when other people look at somebody who has come out the other side, who has been there, done that, felt that, thought that, and still recovered, they can say, you know what? You know, if she did it, I can do it too. And it's, it's not only um, identifying with the fact that, hey, I have a disease, she has a disease, but identifying the fact that, you know, um, it may be uncomfortable, but it is bearable and it is doable because she did it. And so I can do it too. And this is why my past, which includes my recovery from, from my addiction, not only the addiction itself, um, is my, my, my most valuable asset because I am an expert in the disease and I am an expert in the recovery because I have lived both. Unlike the other so-called experts um, who were uh, medically trained, but you know, with whom somebody like me couldn't identify. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Penny C., followed by Jenna and Melissa C. Good morning. Thank you, Julie. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from the Boston area. This paragraph is, is demands a lot of me. I, I see it as telling me that I've been blessed if I if I'm able to identify myself as a recovered compulsive overeater. I've been blessed. I've been given the gift. I've, I'm privileged, and with every privilege comes a responsibility. And I see all through this paragraph: responsibility, responsibility. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families who still suffer. My painful past, I can't keep it to myself showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile. Yes. And and, and then it tells us that families who have been relieved or see the, the recovery must show it, must bring it to other families. And then, of course, what so many people have pointed to today in this paragraph, that you know, in God's hands, our dark past is our greatest possession. And I can, we can, those who identify themselves as recovered compulsive overeaters can avert death and misery for others. My goodness, what a responsibility I have. And I'm reminded of this day after day that, you know, I must, I must work with others. I must bring this message to to other people because I've been given this wonderful gift and that I see people. I just came back from a cruise and you know and, and with God's help I I was abstinent. I had a fantastic time but I all I had to do was to look left or right or back or forward and I could see our disease, my disease manifested in so many other people 
And I, every time I saw one, I just said, God, please be with them. Please help them today. I didn't go up to them and drag them off the, off the stool and say, come with me. I'm going to bring you to a Friends of Bill meeting, which I did go to. So that's my message that I, I'll be done in a second. Um, that's my message that those of us who have recovered have a huge responsibility. We cannot sit on our laurels. We must reach out to others, and thank you. Thank you, Penny C. Jen A., followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Jen A., compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, recovered in Colorado. So this rings really true for me. So last year in February, we went up to the mountains with uh, my family for my birthday. And my family's really good now about, um, you know, they did like fondue with chocolate for them and fruit for me. And they'll always make me a special Jenny meal. Um, cause they love me and they know that's just, that's just who I am today. Um, but as, at the end of the birthday celebration, we opened up cards and we sit around the table and reflect. And my mom looks at my dad and she says, Oh, let's talk about, um, stories about Jenny when she was little. My dad kind of crossed his arms and just sat there. And, um, all of a sudden my mom looks, Douglas, why don't you go first? And my dad just sat there. And he started to tell a really awful, yucky story. I remember the time when, and I was just sat there at the other end of the table, mortified. Like, here I am. I think I was probably like, I don't know, a few months recovered, recovered out of the food and working the steps, had the spiritual awakening, and was really trying to turn my will and my life over to God every day and show up and be present with my family. And here my dad was bringing up the past. Because that's all he could remember, the escapades, the funny, the humiliating, shameful, and tragic stories, the stuff that, I, that had happened that was a result of my behavior, my disease, right, in the past. And my mom goes, oh, certainly we have a, a good story to tell, right, and we're going around the table. And I'm just trying, you can hear me right now, I'm trying so hard to hold back the tears. But it was the reminder that the darkness, right, this closet that I had that was full of all this, these skeletons like it talks about, was so icky and yucky. And today I come through this practical program of action. I get to do these 12 steps. And I'm guided by someone else who's holding the light for me. And I get to get out of this darkness. And I get to, you know, and, 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 and remind myself what? That the darkness, is, it's gone, but I can't forget it. And this closet that used to be in my house that was full of skeletons and bad stories and all this, those are the stories that's the stories that are going to help others identify in today. But those stories, those are not my truth anymore. Those are who I was. I don't regret the past at all. But I do know that today my choice is to lean into God, to, keep, to clean my closet on a daily basis, right? I can't show up a mess anymore. I don't show up a mess anymore. Today I share up and I carry a message of hope and depth and weight and love. And I show up as a daughter who's no longer having those stories go on in her life. I don't have anybody that has to save me from all that. Why? Because I show up as joyful Jen. Joy is in my journey today. Thank you, God. And it's because of this program, The Spiritual Awakening. There's no other way to be in life. So if you're out there today and you're just like dying and your, and your, and your closet is so full of skeletons, like call somebody, identify in with somebody, Share your skeletons because I, 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 I better but they have them too, right? I've shared them with multiple people on the lines this week. And that's what helps us identify in. But I don't have to sit in that dark closet anymore. I get to sit in the sunlight of the spirit. 
I'm so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jenny. And Melissa C., you're next. Hi. Good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered political leader in New York. And, um, you know, I think about the nine-step promises that we don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. And, yeah, this explains why I don't regret the past and why I don't want to shut the door on it. Because my past is what gives me value today. It's it's what makes me useful. It, it's It's my great treasure. And it's my key to happiness. And I didn't you know, I have two choices when I look at my past because I can't undo it. It's already done. It happens. Um, so I can either live in shame and embarrassment, try to hide it, um, and that's useful to nobody, you know, um, or I can um, accept it and, and use it to help others. And, you know, like this morning, um, my, my son has to swim this morning in middle school. And... For a kid who is chubby, that is, like, horrible. I mean, I, my heart broke for him this morning because he looked like um, like it was the worst possible thing in the world. And he gets in the car, and he's telling me, you don't understand. And, you know, and inside I'm, like, I'm smiling 100 smiles because, buddy, boy, do I understand. And, you know, and so I could share my experience with him about, yeah, it is really, you're right, it is really uncomfortable and painful. And, and I asked him, like, what, so what are, you, what are you afraid of? And, of course, he's afraid of somebody saying something mean. And, you know, in his mind, it's going to go on for the entire 45 minutes of gym. And, and I, you know, and I could say to him, yeah, I've had that experience. I did. You know, I was a fat kid. People said mean things to me. And, you know, what I was able to share with him was that um, he has a power within him that can actually survive people's mean words. And there's this little pocket inside of him that can remain unharmed by people's cruel words. That's my experience. And, you know, I said to him, that's God, you know, and, um, and, you know, and then I said to him, um, you know, and the beautiful thing is that those experiences can actually grow you to be more compassionate because you would never say cruel things to other people based on what they look like or based on their abilities. And I think that was comforting to him. I don't know if it was, but, um, I know that for me, I don't have to be embarrassed that that, that was my experience as a kid. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Um, this is Julia. We have about a minute. Um, you know, the shameful, tragic, humiliating past, the skeletons. And I come from a long line of very sick people, murder, rape, incest, the beatings that I endured as a kid, et cetera. But you know what? That's where I came from, and that's who I am. I mean, meaning I am a new, authentic Julie as a result of living these principles and these steps that I could share and offer what my history was and to give hope to another person. The dark past is my greatest possession. It's like, you know, my family, my children, my sister's children, my brother's children, are the first family that none of our children were molested. Praise God on that. I can share that. 
you know, and it's like, as a result of my brother was a Native American AA closed groups. We are a family of, of strength as a result of working these steps. And you know what? I, I don't have any skeletons in my closet anymore because I have been given such a freedom way past the food, bare beginning, but that I am a, a woman of integrity. My children are healthy mentally and spiritually as a result of me doing this work. And, you know, we are so blessed beyond measure what this program can do to us and do for us and all of those around us. We touch the lives of everyone with our disease, but we touch it with our recovery. And with that, I pass. Um, I want to thank everybody who has shared. Um, the share ID for today is 11,964. Um, thank you again. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Carmela G. please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Julie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.